Jules. Hey, Jules. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Joe. Nice to meet you, What's your name? Greg. Greg. Gavin's my name. Gavin. And Colin. All right. Three good country boys. Yeah. I'll leave it to it. You want to? Would you mind? Sand, I know you don't want me. Seriously, would you mind? That'd be. What's that? A rabbit's foot you have around your neck? Sorry, this is my boss. Thank you very much. Do you take milk? Yes, please, yeah. Do you mind? Yeah, I do, sure. Well, that's thing for your tablet. <laughs> yeah, there's a pen. Does it work on my iPad? It might. How are you, Joe? Good, yeah? Uh, not too bad, yeah. Gavin, Greg and Callum. What are you studying out there? Uh, communications, PCU. Oh, yeah. What year? We first, uh, first year, just finished oh, first yeah, year there. Okay. First year, yeah. Okay, which one to ask me? Everything. Uh, everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, basically our show is just, it's more of a biography than it is oh, anything okay. too in-depth. So obviously you're a national figure and everyone knows the live line side to Joe. Um, and I suppose we're just going to ask the softer, okay, yeah. more personal questions, if that's all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nothing so too personal. Yeah, not um, do you want to get started? Or do you want yeah, to no, start. Oh, no, start. Right. Sure. Sure. We're, we're going to intro it like we would intro our okay, radio show. Okay, cool. Right? Let's do it. Perform so. your performers. Exactly. That's the one. Deep breath. <laughs> Hello and welcome to In Conversation With. My name is Colin MacDonald and as always I'm joined by my co-host Mr. Greg Mulhall. Good afternoon. And Mr. Gavin Kelly. How you doing lads? But we're not coming from our regular uh, recording area are we lads? We're not. No. no. We're in new surroundings. Today we are in the RT Radio Centre for a very special interview. Our, our interviewer, interviewee today is a national figure, been on the radio for almost 30 years now and he's a... Uh, He's known pretty much nationwide. It's Mr. Joe Duffy. Joe, how are you? Great, lads. Good to meet the three of you. And it's, you're very welcome here in this beautiful room, beautifully appointed room at the radio centre here in RTA. As you can see, rich uh, velvet upholstery, a uh, number of uh, very expensive mirrors adorn the wall and uh, an ensuite in the corner there. Gold plated seats. Yeah, this used to be um, Pakenny's dressing room. Really? Yeah, and makeup room for his radio, for his radio Seriously? program. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we, we had to we got it back down when he when he defected. We got it back for 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 this. Um, yeah. So Joe, as I ask all of our guests, uh, what was the initial thought when you were uh, brought the idea of being on our show? I I like DCU. I remember <laughs> when I was president of um, USI. USI years ago, at DCU was a, I used to go out there. I used to have to wear a hard hat. It was a building site. Yeah. I remember saying it's the first it, time we ever spoke on a building site. It still is. Yeah, it still is. Building site. was um. It was, NI, it was NIHE then, it was called, National Institute of Higher Education. And um, I went out there, Mark Mortel, I think, was president of the Student Union, and we were fighting for various different things, because it was only starting. And then I've been out there recently because my daughter graduated uh, in St. Pat's, and obviously, as you know, DCU is now part of St. Pat's, mm. or vice versa. <laughs> and all hallows are unless, you're, will be unless you're on the GAA team, but I think <laughs> St. Pat's is now part of uh, DC. It is, and I like I I I've I've met your your president, and um, I'm very impressed actually with the ethos in in DCU, and we've had a couple of engagements with them through students who were um, asylum seekers in Ireland, and they've been on the program a few times, and the college has stepped up and embraced them as DCU. I said before we get into the bones of the interview, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna ease in as it were. Yeah. Ease ourselves. Ease in ourselves. Yeah, in okay. it could be. Yeah. I uh, think there's still a few butterflies floating around the room. I forgot to. <laughs> uh, Greg no, is I gonna uh, fire off a couple of quick fire questions. Okay. Just to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Well, we know the answer to this one before I ask, 
But Joe, tea or coffee? Tea, absolute tea, non-stop, morning, noon, night, bring a flask, could be down to the studio. <laughs> sugar, milk? No, no sugar, no milk, Lock oh. Derg, Lock Derg. <laughs> when, when I did the pilgrimage in Lock Derg, that's when I took up a black tea. Oh, wow. Yeah, Good. never to look back. Um, what did you want to be when you were a kid? A firefighter. A firefighter? I still want to be a firefighter. Really? <laughs> yeah, I want to be. Are you going to pursue it? A fireman, yeah, I begged. I, 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 for my 50th birthday, somebody was going to buy me a second-hand fire engine, <laughs> which you can get very cheap. You can, actually, yeah. yeah. Very cheap. And I was going to buy a fire engine, and I was going to offer myself to Dublin Fire Brigade and say, please, even even let me allow me answer the false alarm. I can do anything. Um, I'd love to be a firefighter, and I've an enormous sad interest. I I think I've more interest in firefighting than a lot of firefighters. They're, they probably go home to other hobbies. That that is my hobby. Right. Watching videos, reading magazines. Anyway. Well, if you uh, if you set the oven on fire, don't ring the. Just ring us. Although I could yeah. see in the, in the in the annual in the annual calendar every year. I think you you do well. Oh, on the firefighters calendar. I yeah. doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> They're a handsome you bunch. Do you remember they came in and you made me get a photo with them? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that interruption uh -huh. came courtesy of the head of press and communications in our community. The highlight of my career. Sandra Bourne, by the way, is her name. Yeah. For tax uh -huh. reasons. <laughs> One thing you can't live without, Joe. Oh, my iPad. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. That totally, is completely. Mm. Live and breathe. Yeah, live and breathe. As I live and breathe everywhere, I have two of them. I have a small one and a big one. I bring it with me everywhere. I bring, it, I bring the two of them into the studio with me every day. And... Um, to keep following Twitter and keep following the news feeds and I suppose you kind of have to yeah. some point now with how quick social yeah. media is you need well, to be on top of the game morning, morning, noon and night everything, radio is on it everything is on it mm. I love it who would you like to play you in a film? oh my god um, that's a very well I suppose if it was it has to be firefighters man, directed yeah. Channing Tatum would probably yeah, be a good yeah. it, has to, it has to be a man has it yeah well <laughs> it's up to yourself yeah we uh, won't we won't pigeonhole you and there's some great some great uh actors around one, one actor that we've taken under a wing and funny friday's a guy from leitrim called seamus o'rourke but he's currently in the viking and in um because everyone's no you'd be deluded you get deluded don't you saying aiden turner colin farrell but they're Turner, <laughs> yeah they're half my age i suppose yeah um aiden gillen was brilliant to the day valentine did you see him Actually, the day oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i thought was he was really good, good that, yeah. Gillen, yeah. He's, he inhabits the it happens to be so I, by the way I think that's one of the hardest jobs is being an actor I go to the theatre a fair bit and mm. I'm just sitting there with my jaw hanging <laughs> I was I went to see Stephen Ray last week in a performance of a thing called Cypress Avenue about post the troubles in Northern Ireland my god and he was the most dislikable venomous vitriolic vituperative character you'd ever came across just expletive from beginning to end and hatred from beginning to end and he inhabited it and then I looked at the programme and said the character that Stephen was playing is 71 and then I looked up Stephen Ray's biog he's 71 as well <laughs> he looks like 41 <laughs> yeah actually our own, our own so Gavin Stephen Ray, Ray Stephen Ray our own uh, Gavin tried his hand at acting uh, there we this we year we a bit of a, the drama society in DCU and we did a train spotting there oh did you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was your role again mother superior so basically uh, the, the head of the heroin operation Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun now, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't differ too much from your tailor. We'll move. So, Joe, uh, any particular role model or a particular influence on your career or even your personal life? 
Oh, well, the big influence in my career is Gay Bourne. Yeah, mm. yeah, like he was the one who stopped me right outside that door there. Uh, I hadn't, I'd met him before outside RT and on the late latest when I was in USI, but he's the one that stopped me right outside this door. Still no plaque, I say. Um, <laughs> saying, uh, he said to me one day, you're, you're working on the Pat Kenny show, why don't you come produce on the, my radio programme? And they were two completely different departments. Mm-hmm. Pat Kenny show was serious, the Gayborn show was regarded as being light. Of course it wasn't. And um, I remember saying it to one of the more experienced um, producers here, because I just started. And he said to me, are you mad? Just say yes. The chance to work with Gay Bourne. And I, I said yes immediately. And the, by the way, the reaction in the series department was, are you mad? Really? Yeah. And um, I went I went and worked with him as a producer. You know, I was producing the programme. I did that for a number of years. And then in, I think it was around 19, early 1990s, mobile phones were coming out. And um, we'd no reporter on the programme. And something came up. And Gay, we normally would have a cup of coffee around this time every day, mm. uh, around 11 o'clock. And um, he said to me, why don't you go out? Take that mobile phone contraption. I was playing with them. And the they were big <laughs> car batteries. And um, I went down and did And he said, the only bit of advice I give you, I said, because Gay, I'm, my, I'm not in here because of my voice my accent definitely not if I announced the death of Eamon de Valera even Eamon de Valera wouldn't believe it <laughs> but um, he said no just talk the way we talk you're not a reporter just we have a conversation and that's how that started and that was time and chance Gay was coming towards he was getting a little bit older though he's still quite young he was uh, doing the late late up to his eyes so he saw it as a way of the programme getting out without him having to go out yeah passing so, it on really yeah so I just yeah. went around travelled around the country and became his representative on earth mm. basically and we wish him a very speedy recovery ah yeah yes well said he's loved by everybody he is indeed yeah. your ideal weekend all things going whatever way you could possibly want them Joe just a visit to 16 different fire stations <laughs> that's how many could I get in and 10 of, about 10 of them in Dublin then I do the airport one which is a fantastic one then I go down to uh, Wicklow Wexford I love Wexford by the way I like Wexford um, there's not much to like about Wexford uh, there is it's only southeast one is the main thing to like about Wexford is working here in RT it's, it, on a Friday I can get to Gorey Mm-hmm. quicker from RTE than I can from RTE to Clontarf. <laughs> that does not surprise me. Yeah, that's yeah. We all yeah. live in a, a kind of a triangle around yeah. the area. I yeah. live in Merino. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Column is in Donnacarney and Gav was mm. up until quite recently yeah. in Clontarf. I was living in Clontarf and now oh, yeah. I got a house in Cabra there recently. So. Oh, did you? Great. Yeah, great. Happy so, enough, yeah. But you're on north side and you're traveling north side, you don't have to get over the river. No, yeah, that's, that's a big <laughs> thing. That is the I, problem. Know, yeah. I know myself now from my bus journey home to Waterford every Friday evening, it takes about 40 minutes to get from Bus Aris to yeah. Houston Station, yeah, and then yeah. on to Nace is even longer. Yeah, it's yeah, only it's when crazy, you get out yeah. of Nace that you really kind of speed along. And would you not get the train? It's, it's I know just, it's much it's, more expensive. Yeah, it's it? just a money thing. I mean, yeah, it's, only, yeah, it's yeah. only seven euro more, but it's it's seven euro that goes yeah, 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 that yeah. goes somewhere else, really. Okay, so. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, beverage of choice, Joe? Uh, tea. No, tea. A, a tea but a, and if you took a tipple now? A tipple would be a glass of Guinness. I like a glass of Guinness. Really? Because I think, yeah, because I think the point of Guinness, I think the point of Guinness goes off fairly quickly. So I, I, I think a glass, of Guinness, you, a glass of Guinness is fresher. Yeah. That was a bit of advice someone gave me in a, in a, a work in a brewery. And he also said to me, do not buy draft beer in a pub that, that where the 
taps are near the kitchen with grease. Oh. Yeah, with grease. He said because the beer, whatever's in the beer, absorbs grease. So he said if you're in a very greasy pub, mm-hmm. yeah. always buy a bottle of beer. Right. There's yeah. advice now. That's yeah, real advice. We're learning yeah. today. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to be going around work uh, at the weekend now telling tell absolutely me, anyone that will listen to me. You learn more in a year in DCU than I've just learned. <laughs> and uh, the best Guinness in Dublin, Joe, where is it? Oh, it's a place in um, Drum Conjo. Well, there's a place in Clontarf called the Pebble Beach, which is which is a busy pub, and any busy pub has good beer. Yeah. As long as it's yeah, pouring, yeah. Harry Bournes, all the brown. A busy pub has yeah. a nice pint of beer, yeah. Made by Guinness. And finally, three guests, living or dead, that you'd invite to a dinner party. Wow. Okay. I never thought of that. Uh, Martin Luther King, mm. or his, just his oratory, just reread his speeches on his letters from Alabama jail, his letters from Birmingham and jail and all that kind of um, Absolutely fantastic. Um, Probably, yeah, Robert, Robert Kennedy would be uh, another one. And then I suppose the um, third one would be someone like uh, Edna O'Brien, the writer, who I have met and is very much alive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Still decorated enough to make the lists of your three? Um, what do you mean? As in, despite the fact that the company she's in, she, uh, oh, she yeah, still she fits in quite seamlessly. Oh, yeah, she'd be great, yeah. Oh, she's a brilliant conversationalist. Very good. Well, that was our get to know you quiz. I think yeah, yeah. I think we got to know you a little bit. Well, definitely. Yeah. Well, we got to know some things that you too. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll dive straight into the interview then. Okay, yeah. And um, you yourself, you're from Ballyfermot, Joe. Yeah. And I believe you were the first one in your family to not only complete the leaving search but go to college and, and such. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the first one on the block, the first one. There was only yeah. three of us that I knew from Ballyfermot at that time. We went into third level. It's changed dramatically now, mm. thankfully. Yeah. Still not, cause still not good enough, but it has changed dramatically. And, and what was it like uh, growing up in working class Dublin at the time? Like, do, do you think there was many challenges that faced you trying to, to get to college? You see, you are where you are and you live where you live and you don't, you don't, like you don't wake up in the morning saying, I feel unequal. Mm. Uh, inequality is a measurement, it's not a condition. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you might wake up some morning saying, well, I don't have money to go on the school trip or I don't have money for lunch or whatever. But... We, we, we lived where we were and we didn't, I, my father worked in England, I, my mother worked in the evenings cleaning in a tyre factory, so we were, um, we knew, we knew money wasn't for who look. Yeah. yeah, and the, the, I suppose the only other thing that, uh, that emerged was that there wasn't much ambition uh, drilled into us in school in second level, like the ambition of going to third level, never mm-hmm. mentioned, didn't exist. There was no, there was no. Uh, Didn't exist. Recruitment officers coming no, out no, from, no, from the they colleges. Gave, they gave us out in fifth and sixth year in St John's and Ballyferm. They gave us uh, documents for ANCO, which which would be manpower as it was called then, which would be apprenticeships mm. or junior civil servants. No, there was no mention of how to apply to third level. Very, yeah. very, very different system now, just the whole yeah. Leaving in general. Yeah. So what do you think drove you then, out of everybody, to, to go on, finish Leaving Cert? Just I got involved, I got involved in youth work, then I got involved in running summer projects with the Catholic Youth Council. I was working at the time in an ad agency in a menial enough job. And yeah, and actually, I, I, how did you I, end up in the ad agency? It kind of... Because I was into copy, I was into writing and all that, and I wanted to be a copywriter. It never became one, I tried, but it never became one. 
But when, funnily enough, when you meet other people through youth work or whatever, through the CYC as it was called, you met people who were social workers and you say, hey, did you become a social worker when you have to go to college? You met people who were teachers and they have to go to college, you have to go to college, you have to go to college. Mm -hmm. So it was just to try and better myself. I just wanted a very basic human um, ambition to better yourself and we have it for ourselves and we have it for our children and we have it for generations to come that we just want to improve ourselves. And I was curious. My teacher in sixth class and body fairman, Mr. Long, who was a great influence on me, he described me as the most curious boy in the class. <laughs> now, I'm looking back and I don't know, what did, did, he, meant, cu did he mean curious as in inquisitive or, cu or curious as in odd? I suspect, <laughs> I suspect, <laughs> I suspect it was odd. But um, I'm ju I just have a curiosity and then I applied to go to Trinity College, left the advertising agency on a Friday in October and started in Trinity on the Monday. Mm. That was it. And Joe, when you got to Trinity, how did the role of uh, the USI even come about? Was it even in your plans when you got to college? No, or? no the first year I hid in the library because I convinced I was. Remember, I was in my 20s. Mm. I was convinced I was going to be chucked out, I was going to be found out. So the first year I just studied, studied, studied. And um, the second year there was an article in one of the Irish Times about they were opening a new gate and this was Trinity opening to the windows of the world or stuff like this. And I wrote a letter to the Irish Times saying there's only three people from Ballyferman and Trinity. How can you describe it as open to the world? And then that scored a number of other letters and then a few people approached me and then there was the actual opening of the new gate and then someone said, why don't we organise a protest to highlight this? And we did and that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> I suppose before USI came about, you were the student union uh, president. Yeah, that's how it began. Then I, at, after that protest, at Trinity. So, yeah. was there any ambition like going through college, or was it just kind of a spark of the moment kind yeah. of thing? Spark of just time and chance. Like yeah. there's no, I never. I wanted to be a social worker. I knew that. That's yeah. why I went to college. Um, why do I want to be a social worker? Because I wanted to help people, I suppose, and everything else just came along and fell along and I wouldn't have had any confidence in the belief that I could be president of the student union trinity or whatever. But and obviously I suppose when, once you were in that role, yeah. you didn't fit the bill of the average trinity student really Joe, did you? As in I suppose no. as soon as your accent yeah. would come true, if you were yeah. up giving a speech, I suppose you, you certainly didn't tick the boxes as in the the Trinity voice or yeah, I suppose yeah, even the RT voice? Definitely not the Trinity voice and definitely not the RTE voice because of my Dublin working class accent. Um, but so be it, like I, I did it and we got a lot of support and we had a good... Did you find we, much resistance from maybe even the student body see, or I even elements I, of Yeah, it? but the thing is I, I would not have been conscious of my accent until someone pointed it out to me. Okay. Of course. You know, the, 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 your working class accent, the THs and the phrase you use or whatever. Um, but that was it. Like it, there is, there is a, a a class system in Ireland which is seldom uh, spoken about. Like and you even look at it in the history of Trinity. First people to get into Trinity were middle class men. You know, parents, children, boys, male children of well-off people. The second group to get in were female children of well-off people. The third group to get in were uh, male children of lesser income and the last and final group to get in were women from lower backgrounds so women never but there is there is a, an innate class system in Ireland as well so we did a bit to a challenge that I hope.
if you don't mind me asking, yeah. Joe, like historically Trinity was a a Protestant university. Yeah, yeah. Did was there ever a stigma you as a as a no. Catholic man? Did you ever face any of that kind of thing? No, whatsoever. No. No, and I just had no. Again, when we were growing up, we had we, we never even spoke about Trinity or UCD. I would have known the difference. I mean, the main reason I picked Trinity was that it was the it was near the bus terminus, the mm. seventy eight bus <laughs> terminus, and I, I I lived at one end. The seventy eight bus terminus was outside my house, and Trinity was at the other end. And that and that's how you actually ended up yeah, in Trinity. You yes, said, yeah, that's that. It's ha- was handier. So if, if there had been a bus that went from Ballyferman to UCD, I might have ended up in UCD. Mm. I think that would have been a longer commute now. I, <laughs> yeah. I remember when, we were, when I was president of um, Trinity Student Union, we were having a protest at the front gate there. We had a banner out, I don't know what it was, over prices or something, catering prices or whatever. And uh, it was Rag Week in UCD. Well, let's face it, every week is Rag Week in UCD. <laughs> How do you spot the difference? And they were marching down. They were all on the tear. They marched down. They all stood outside the front gate of Trinity and started shouting up at us, Oxford rejects, Oxford rejects. You know? <laughs> so we shouted back down at the UCD students, Trinity rejects. <laughs> so I was only conscious of that competition. Yeah. when, the, But no religious thing mm. whatsoever. Um, Joel, as a former student union president, we... Feel it's important to ask, and as DCU students ourselves, uh, the price of student accommodation these days. Oh, it's horrific, um, yeah. It's absolutely outrageous. We there's a place, Shannon Square. Yeah, we did all, it on the program. Yeah, nine thousand grand. Like, um, how can we keep letting this happen? That students. Well, I, I I know there was because some of them rang us initially, and the, what what did I go by thirty or forty percent. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven percent. Yeah. yeah. And I I I think people. I know. And there have been protests. I know that mm. there have been protests. Now, how do you make, how do you do an effective protest? Now, one of the things I always say to students, remember, if you don't protest, you're young, invariably, you're organised, you're healthy, invariably, you have a flexible timetable, invariably. If you don't protest, who will? Yeah, who yeah. can? And that was the big thing when I, when they took the medical card off students in, in my day. That's the reason, I remember trying to convince people to protest about it. They said, we don't need our medical card, we're young, we're healthy. And I said, hang on a minute, to take it off students, and there's no backlash. Older people will be next, uh, more vulnerable people will be next. You need to take a stand. And I just, I know people have been protesting. Hopefully, the protests uh, will, will continue. I thought one of the spectacular things in Trinity recently when they introduced that 400 quid, which yeah, is absolutely outrageous thing mm. to do. Outrageous. But one of the smartest things they did, my two lads in Trinity, uh, they just finished their finals. But one of the smartest things they did was. They, a, a group of them went over and blocked the door to the book of Kells. Oh yeah! <laughs> and what they what they had discovered was this is where this is what Trinity had in in many ways because of that tourist. Now I'm involved in the the access program in Trinity, great supporter of it. But in in an afternoon they said, hang on, block the access to the book of Kells. It's so important now to the college in terms of income. And within 24 hours, I know they occupied the dining hall, 24 hours, 48 hours, the 400 quid was gone out the front gate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's become a national thing yeah. now. Cause like, yeah, you, yeah. like you mentioned Trinity, us in DCU, and now in Galway there's protests about uh, increases up I there by, one, yeah. by a grand. What, what do you think is the solution to this? Is there a, a, an easy solution to these rapid rent increases? Oh, there's, n- there's not, unfortunately, but no. I know there's a lot more accommodation coming on stream. Mm-hmm. What, what would help is, is competition and, and a bit of fairness as well, and colleges providing accommodation. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and colleges seeing it as part. Like, I, I'd be worried that a lot, a, lot of, a lot more third level institutions are moving away from the reason they exist, which is to teach students. 
and going more into research, uh, business development, all that stuff. And like, I, I, I know one thing I'd look at today if I was president of the student union is the contact hours between lecturers, not PhD students, not master students, but between lecturers and students. That's what their their job is. That's the, that's the reason uh, you exist. And my experience from my own uh, contacts and knowing young people in college is that that's being further and further removed, that colleges need to get back to say, to, to find why they existed. Like, I remember there was a strike in Aer Lingus and one director of Aer Lingus said, this would be a great company if we didn't have to fly planes. <laughs> but the thing is, that's the reason you exist. Yeah, that is yeah. your unique selling point. Mm. Yeah, very good. And before we move on from just mm. the college aspect, is there any highlight or ach achievement of note that you have from being one student union president in Trinity and being the president of the SUI or USI? Oh, one of the things in Trinity I'd like to, I started a community week, um, which was tr to encourage local children to come into Trinity. So we organise a load of events in the college and just invite, like play events, yeah. but just for the kids locally to see the place and not be afraid of it. And I don't know if you know Front Square there. Front Square is too beautiful. In the gr the green area there, in Front Square, there's behind the book has there's two beautiful Henry Moore statues. They're these curved interlinking pieces of mm. beautiful metal. Mm. And of course, when the kids came in, the first thing they all headed for was these, and they climbed up over all the <laughs> these Henry Moore pieces. And of course, the college security where they didn't shoot them; they just stunned the children. You know what I mean? They they tasers in those days. I mess it. I mess it. But the college security were, were great. were great. They were all men in those days. But they ran the children away from the statues. And by the way, you couldn't do any damage. Just look at the statue when you go in. It's, it's, it's bronze, like you'd need a sledgehammer to do any damage to it. And then I read Henry Moore, about Henry Moore, the, where he's dead now, the famous uh, sculptor. And he said, one of the things I love to see my sculptures in public is to see children climbing up on them. Because that's one of the, I want people to engage mm. with them. So it was just, so Community Week would have, would have been a big thing. I think I highlighted the whole thing of access to third level education and, and hopefully uh, encourage other people to see that it was, why, why did, uh, okay, you, if you're from Mount Marion, you were 44 times more likely to end up in Trinity than if you're from Dublin. But the air of Mount Marion is the same. I've smelled, been there. You know what I mean? So, so, and I was trying to make that point. In USI, standing up against the things like the medical card, really, I, I think we did stop them in their tracks and that they, there was no further move on trying to take medical cards off. Uh, others, they gave a few concessions to us. Um, and then uh, in overseeing, the, the, when I was there, there was our regional technical colleges, they were all fighting to get full recognition. There was these NIHE. I'm just fighting with those colleges small. A lot of colleges were quite small, only starting students' unions, just trying to get them organised. Very good. Right, so we'll, we'll move on to what I suppose you're nationally known for, your, your radio career. So where did it all begin in RT? What was your first, first I job I, here? I came in here as a producer. Um, I came in here to do a 12-week producer training course, and then you're offered a six-month contract, and then another six-month contract, and then I was producing, and that's when Gay said to me, do you want to go on air? And what... what triggered the switch so obviously you've been working in the advertising agency no i, I was working in i, I well, you went social into social work for five years yeah. and i was working role. in the probation service and there was an awful lot of um i just found the civil service quite claustrophobic um everything had to be referred upwards um and everything you, you, you after a while you had to play the game in other words if you wanted if you wanted 50 quid you had to look for 75 quid because the but your boss had to 
prove that he existed so he'd whip uh, 15 quid off but then his boss invariably a man would have to prove that he existed so he'd whip another tenner off so just so you, by the time you actually yeah, got here it was very hierarchical very claustrophobic I did enjoy my time there and was radio the thing you always wanted to do oh, I always loved radio yeah. always I oh, still do radio morning noon night four o'clock in the morning earpiece in I monitor radio I'm like a, a member of the French resistance in the, <laughs> in the loft in Normandy monitoring a radio broadcast from the free French Favorite, de Gaulle and, favorite shows? I listen. Well, let me see. Oh, a, I, I love comedy. I love documentaries. There's a great series on Radio Four Extra at the minute, which none of you have heard of. It's called Flywheel Shyster and Flywheel, and it's uh, originally performed by Groucho Marx okay. of the Marx Brothers. And the scripts were found, and they've got these guys who are basically Groucho Marx impersonators to re reenact the scripts. It's very very funny, oh, very good, classic very comedy, good. that type of stuff. I love. Yeah, and I suppose who gave you your big opportunity? It was Pat. Gay, you know, gay, 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 gay that gave you your big yeah, opportunity. Yeah. And like you said, you were a bit apprehensive beforehand. Uh, did it take you long to get settled into the job? No, not really, no, because I kind of had no. I no, I wasn't a reporter. Like I wasn't being benchmarked against Charlie Board or you know what I mean, yeah. someone like that. They're just I was what I was doing were different. One day I'd be doing it from a prison, next day I'd be doing it from a hairdresser. You know, it was, it was an open agenda. Next one day I'd be in Belmullet, the next day I'd be in Belfast or whatever. And so it was a very open... And you know, all, all you had to do was 10 or 15 minutes. And also, if, if you didn't do it, the programme still went on. You know what I mean? Who was to know? If I, if I got to Belmullet and the people we were trying to find weren't there, it didn't, the programme didn't have a hold on it because Gay kept going. Yeah, exactly. so, so you had that... Uh, safety net as well and at what point did you did you think to yourself okay maybe I will pursue this into more of a, a full role I haven't I haven't thought of that yet that's <laughs> <laughs> it the main seriously it just evolved and the main question we all ask ourselves is when when am I going to be found out when am I going to <laughs> when I'm when um, people like, are going to realize like I think you're nearly 30 else. years there now Joe yeah. I think you're safe enough <laughs> yeah. for this stage yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so you were approached to take over Liveline in 1998. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. From Marion Finucane. Yeah. What What was going through your mind when you were first approached by the idea of having your own national I, yeah, radio show? At that stage, I already filled in for Marion during the summer a few times. And it wasn't Liveline. Liveline used to come off the air for three months. I'd do my own programme or whatever, travelling around the country. Which in the second? I'm just saying in five, ten minutes. Okay. Five, ten minutes. Um, so um, where were we driving around the country um, you had your own yeah, show yeah I had, to, I had to have my own show and then I knew Marion was moving up to take over the gay slot you see that was all time and chance gay yeah. wanted to take it easy not take it easy take it easier Jesus the man has been gone for 40, 50 years 60 years 60 years of broadcasting and I knew they were going to have to fill the Marion slot so I just I knew I'd slot in and the thing I liked about it was I knew because Marion was taken over from Gay that the media focus would be on Marion and it wouldn't be on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was exactly. going to take the headlines. So I just, I just slipped in there. I got stuck in, yeah. yeah exactly, I got stuck yeah. in. That was it. Uh, Joe, your show became very prolific, I think, say about 10 years ago during the recession, during the crash, in which there were a lot of people, particularly working class, who kind of found your show as a voice in which yeah. to talk about the problems during such mm. a a rough time like how do you look back on that now and that was a horrific time yeah. I mean I still remember many well a lot of the stories would be 
because of the recession, there was cuts, cutbacks in health and education and policing and all that carry on. But like I remember people t uh, phoning us, they, they were living in dread of bills, like mm. bills, like coming in, they, 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 they weren't working, obviously yeah. they'd been made unemployed or their business had gone, and they ran a small business. Uh, they'd be self-employed and I remember like people saying we just let we just lay in bed every morning dreading hoping the postman would, would pass the house Jesus, yeah. you know another man I remember telling me like he's crying at the table the kitchen table because they'd no money no money or no prospects and whatever assets they had were were uh, worth nothing and of course self-employed people didn't get uh, unemployment benefit mm. but um I remember him saying the his kid walked in with our little piggy bank and said, "Daddy, will I break open my piggy bank to try and help you stop crying?" You know, it was a, it was a horrific time. It's mm. a horrific time. It was a, a, it's a for generations to come in terms of what what has to be paid back in terms of our national debt is just mm. mind-boggling because of the casino banks and the property developers who gambled away our futures. You I know. suppose like over the years you have helped a lot of people so you kind of mm. came you kind of continue that social work yeah. just on a national scale you were mm. helping people from Skibbereen probably up to Buncrana yeah, yeah. it and, seems. And also we discovered at the time there is great there is a great sense of community still in Ireland and we're, we're, we're clinging on now by our fingernails you know on the on the edge of the the, the cliff but still you can still get a national conversation going in, in Ireland. You cannot get that in the UK. You know, there's so it's population so big, it's so disparate. Um, where in Ireland we still have that sense. Now it takes a while if there's a topic comes up, be it live line or whatever. After a few days, there's a fair chance a lot of people in the country would have heard about it and might be engaged. Mm -hmm. So that's. And you know when we're chasing a con man or whatever, we need listeners in Donegal yeah. and we need mm -hmm. listeners in Dolly Mountain. We need listeners in Donnerail. You know what I mean? So exactly, I'm yeah. really conscious of that good public service radio has a big audience. And any other just periods, whether it be a couple of months or years, that really stand out as an important time? Well, I remember the cystic fibrosis campaign to me now was incredible because radio was the ideal medium for them. They had no mm -hmm. facilities, they were fighting for uh, individual rooms in St. Vincent's Hospital. They've been fighting in vain. And the great thing about radio was groups of cystic, because they're so open to infection, they can't go into a television studio, they can't sit together because they might cross and infect. But radio provided that medium for them. And the stories they told uh, those weeks were just incredible. Up, Julie McNulty, Orla Tinsley, all those wonderful, wonderful campaigners. And a, a significant number of the, um, women especially who spoke out, young women who spoke out that week are, have passed away. Anita and various other women have passed away at a very, very young age. And I notice now and that Leo Bradcar has eventually said, like, given that we have the highest instance of CF in the world, we've got to be the leaders in terms of research, which is great. Um, I suppose just before we end, uh, one last question for you. You've been doing Lifeline now for 18 years. Mm. As we mentioned before, you've been doing radio for, for 30 or so. What, what do you owe your longevity to on radio? Just keep going. Don't lose the run of yourself. Don't believe your own publicity. Mm. Right? Don't become a celebrity. Don't... Um, don't look your, look at yourself in the mirror too often. <laughs> you know, just keep going and do a, try and do a good program every day. The the most important program at three o'clock every day. The most important program is the next program. The try and, and try and keep the program entertaining, interesting, different. Try and and from my point of view is to try and keep listening, try and keep reading, try and meet people like yourselves. 
um, good looking people like yourself <laughs> um, and I have a face for radio as you can all see ah, that and um, just tr try and stay interested and curious you know try and mm. try and make a difference you know I do believe like uh, every every live line begins with one voice one phone call yeah one phone call one voice and one voice can make a difference I say that 99 is not a hundred and I mean one does make a difference and to remind people of that and the sense of community and um, embrace that still exists in Ireland and we now have listeners thanks to the internet all around the world mm. Florida it's nine o'clock in the morning the, lots of Irish people over there tune in mm. to get a sense of Ireland do you have a particular standout moment as a favorite of Lightline oh I think that, well there's many of them but I suppose one of them is we got a phone call from a woman in the States actually um, uh, to tell us that a friend of hers had died um, and called Margaret Bullen, Maggie Bullen, and she, she was in Magdalene Laundry in Jean McDermott Street in Dublin. She had died just before the Christmas and she had been buried in a, a communal grave in Glasnevin. And this friend of hers, in the, who had been in the laundry with her and was doing well in the state, she said, I want Margaret to have a proper headstone. Like she, she deserved, she'd no uh, individual identity. And then we got a phone call uh, from a woman called Samantha Long and she said, Margaret Bullen is my mother. And I didn't know she was dead. Wow. Oh my God. And then we got a phone call from someone else in the States. Margaret Bullen is my mother. Samantha is my sister. And I did not know my mother was dead. Wow. Wow. That's... that's Jaw drop. Yeah. Jaw drop. You wouldn't even know what to say yeah. in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Samantha and they're brilliant. They're brilliant people. Yeah. Brilliant people. Still heavily involved in campaigning for Margaret and various other people. So that's that to me, I remember. Of course, the other one was the, the, the prisoner who rang us from Port Leisha from his... Mm. Oh, from, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. On the way up, actually. Yeah, so. I'm, anyway. from, I'm from Leash myself, so yeah. yeah, yeah. We you know, and he rang us, and then he said, give me a minute and ring me back, because I have to go over to the other side of my cell. It's, um, there's a better signal. Jesus. <laughs> and finally, Joe, uh, for three young aspiring presenters sitting in front of you, what piece of advice would you give us? Just do it. If you want to be a journalist, just be a journalist. If you want, I remember I wanted, was interested in journalism long before I went to Trinity. And I remember one, one day during the summer, I hitched up to Belfast. It was in the middle of, I'd never been to Belfast. I hitched up. I rambled around Belfast. Maybe I was mad or whatever. I'd go down to the courts. I'd write letters to the paper. Just, and obviously I believe, and of course like the DCU course is brilliant, really important, but just do it. And people come in here and say, well, how can I get on Radio 1? I say, I'll tell you how you get on Radio 1. Where is your local radio station? Is mm -hmm. there a community radio station? Is there a local newspaper? The local newspaper won't let me write for them. I said, right, start writing them letters. Okay, start going. So when you hear a Put fire engine, there, yeah. when you hear a fire engine, go after it. You know, and report on what's, um, on what's happened. You know, to just if you want, if you want to do sports, go to your local football match. Write a colour piece. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Well, Joe, if you want to be a fireman, yeah, just do it. Nine, nine, nine. Have you ever had a, a tour of a fire station? Oh yeah, oh. all the time. Yeah. How many is the right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think our our listeners can appreciate that that Joe is a busy man. So we're we're gonna end it there. A massive thank you, Joe, for, for letting us come You're in welcome, today and yeah. chat to you. Uh, I think I can speak for both lads that yeah. we're extremely honoured to sit down with you. Uh, from my co-host Greg and Gavin, myself, Colin McDonald, this has been In Conversation with Joe Duffy and we'll see you again next time.